Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown podcast presented by Mass Live. I'm the host of the show, Chris Cotillo, and we're joined by, I think, the biggest, uh, the largest cast of characters that we've ever had, uh, a, a three-man panel of the uh, the three other members of the BBWAA, uh, other than myself, that we have on staff here. We have Jim Pignatello, Matt Votor, and Chris Smith. Uh, I believe it's Jim's long-awaited Fenway Rundown debut, which he's been angling for for a while. So if you have any you know, words you'd like to start us off with, Jim, the floor is yours. I'm just happy to finally get an invite here. I mean, you know, we created this thing, and then I just didn't get invited until now. Right. Well, you know, it's it's a huge day. It's a huge moment, and and uh, hopefully the listeners will will appreciate that. Um, we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame partly because you know it's always a good topic to debate, and partly because there's absolutely nothing else to talk about. We could get into the Red Sox minor league signing of uh, checks notes. Taylor Cole. Uh, Taylor Cole. The, yeah. Um, not Garrett, but Taylor Cole uh, today. Um, but, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll stick with some of the big names and, and some of the guys we'll talk about. So it's pretty simple. You know, I'm going to open up the floor um, on, you know, individual candidates. We'll talk about, you know, where they stand currently, um, according to the great people at the Hall of Baseball Hall of Fame tracker and Ryan Thibodeau and the work he does, and then kind of give all of our thoughts on who should get in. Obviously, um, should probably start with a disclaimer that none of us have votes yet. I think, Smith, you're going to be first, right? You're probably like, when do you start? Next year. Next year you get a vote? Yes, I do. Wow. So I've so already started is, looking ahead. This is like your, this is like Chris's last spring training game for this. Um, and then Jim, Matt, and I, are we, the three of us are the first, are together? And starting in 18, I think. Yeah. 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 So we, we have a ways to go. So we can just, um, you know, so Smith, this is your last warm up. The, the other three of us will have a while. So let's get into it. Um, and we'll start with somebody that I think, you know, the four of us are going to know the career of, I think, a lot better than uh, most people on this list. And that's David Ortiz. Right now, he's tracking at 83.7% of the vote, according to the tracker. That's well over the 75% threshold. Obviously, those numbers come down. But I think at this point, it looks slightly more likely than not. Um, that Ortiz gets in. Uh, we'll start with Chris. You covered him. Uh, is he a slam dunk for you? Yeah, slam dunk. I mean, some people you just don't have to look. You don't even have to look at their numbers. And you know, but when you look at his numbers, I mean, it's just the postseason career. The ever you know the regular season career. I mean, everything's there. So you can make the case that oh, he didn't accumulate as much WAR because he was only a DH and stuff like that. But um, you know. I look at each position and if it's a position on the baseball field and, and it's an actual position, you should be able to get in. It's like not putting in a closer because you don't think a closer, you know, is worthy of getting in the hall. Well, it's a, you know, it's an actual position. So um, yeah, I mean, he was one of the best DHs of all time and, you know, clutch everything he's in with me. Matt, I assume you agree on that. Yeah. I, I think Manfred's uh, I think Manfred's statements about, uh, sort of exonerating Ortiz, or at least potentially exonerating Ortiz from his uh, reported steroid test from, from 2003, I think really opened the door for people who, who uh, aren't sure on the steroid question when it comes to Ortiz and aren't sure on the steroid question when it comes to how they'd vote. I think Manfred kind of opened the door for, for Ortiz because it, his implication was, and he could have just said nothing, and because there, there were questions before it, but he was, he was pretty adamant that there's a very good chance that that, uh, that Ortiz's test was was wasn't accurate, and mm-hmm. and I, I think that uh, I think that opens the, the door for it. And um, 
I think probably enough for for, for me, and 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 I'm I think I'm, I might be on this on this the group of us probably the the toughest on steroid people, but I think that's that's probably enough for me to get him there. Jim, uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that I am also pro Ortiz. I don't think that's you know surprising there. Where are you gonna make it four for four for us? Yeah, I mean we might as well be a massive Homer podcast and just walk <laughs> in the the Red Sox legend, right? Right. Uh, but. He's a fascinating case because the steroid positive test is so murky. He's a DH, which we saw what happened with Edgar Martinez. Um, but also, he's an icon in the place where he played. He, you know, and, and everything that went through that went on in Boston um, in the 2000s. And so, I think you have, I think you have to have David Ortiz in the Hall of Fame if you're talking about baseball history and about the greatest moments and biggest storylines over the time that he played. I'm and, somebody and that's, that's big on, ahead, on postseason numbers too, and postseason per- performance. I, I think that I think that stuff matters, um, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it with a couple other candidates here too. But but uh, that that's that's something that, uh, and I I think that that certainly pu- pushes. If if there was a question about Ortiz because of the the DH factor, I think that that even people that are shaky on DH have to have to look at the postseason thing and, and balance that against it. And and the other question on Ortiz now we've we've all said we would let him in. Do you think that he gets in when the results are announced on Tuesday? Like I said, eighty three point seven. Jim, I actually don't. No, just I think, think there's going to be too guy. much fall off. I think I think he'll be a year or two guy. Guys like Chris Smith will come in and get him over the top next year. <laughs> Chris, yeah, it's you know it's I'm going to say no just because. You know, he's lower, you know, what is he, 80 right now? 83.7. 83.7. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you, the the votes that haven't been disclosed yet, the ballots that haven't been disclosed yet are usually, you know, older writers and, you know, that aren't on the computer and stuff, and those would be the people that would tend not to vote for. They're not on the computer. I mean, what a broad <laughs> generalization that is. Matt has a computer. I, I mean, not active baseball writers, baseball writers that have, you know, retired and, you know, done their thing. And so, I, I don't know. I just think that that's sorry if I'm stereotyping there, but they don't usually, um, you know, vote in older writers usually don't vote in the DHs in the um, steroid guys. Right. I mean, anyone linked to steroids. I'm not calling Ortiz a steroid yet. And, and the ballots are usually smaller for those guys as well. Yes. No, Matt, you want to speak for your uh, the population? What per, yeah. What what percentage of, what percentage of ballots does that eighty three point seven include? Uh, Forty four. You're probably right. You're. I think. It, I think it will be close. Um. I. I think the fact that I, I think. Boy, with having nobody gotten in last year, no, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think he does get in, and I think, but I think it's gonna be awfully close. I agree with you, actually. I think he does. I just think that um, there's just going to be this faction of voters that doesn't want the, you know, zero in back-to-back years, and that might push him over. Uh, I don't know if that's a subconscious thing or uh, people are going to expand their ballots because of that or or what it is, but I do think he gets in. We'll we'll go now to, you know, the two candidates that I think that you can't mention without each other, Um, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, one obviously with a very strong local size pitching for the Red Sox as long as Clemens did uh, bonds in the national league for his whole career, but obviously be impossible to ignore the career he had, the records he set, all that type of stuff. Um, this is really a question of, do you let steroid users or uh, 
presumed PED users in um, because obviously the numbers speak for themselves on both of those guys. I'm going to start by saying, yes, I think it's just too hard to legislate um, not by not knowing, you know, what everybody who's already in there has done. And I think that that for me is the biggest thing. I think that if you talk to a lot of former players and executives, they would tell you that there are guys who use PEDs in some way, shape or form in the hall of fame already. And that makes it extremely hard for me to, you know, count anybody out in the future going forward. But I know this is kind of a hot button issue of the entire cycle. So Matt, your yeah. thoughts on oh, me for me first. On this yeah. One. Cause I know you're going to probably disagree. That's why I wanted to. Ante so it up. He, here's my, here's my thing. Uh, I can't like, I, I'm a big believer in, I'm not beholden to what, what other people have, what other decisions people have made before me on that on that stuff because because if um you if somebody looked at it a certain way years ago i mean there are people that, that didn't vote wouldn't vote for dhs before and so you can't and there there are people that had took took strange decisions on on whether or not somebody should be a first ballot hall of famer i'll make my ballot when it, when it comes i'm, I'm going to be based basing it on my my own thing and i know that there are probably guys that have that are in that have used peds that doesn't open the the door wide for me. But the biggest reason for those two guys for me is this. Um, and I want to use this as an example. I used to watch when Lance Armstrong was doing the Tour de France. I used to watch the Tour. De, I used to watch it most mornings. I I would get up and have breakfast. I'd even sometimes get on the exercise bike during the Tour de France. And when it came, and and I knew there were people that were using it, and I knew that there was allegations against Lance Armstrong. But when it became clear that he had done it. And that so many other people had that had done it that ruined it for me on some level. And mm-hmm. for some people, baseball, and I and there's been other things that have ruined baseball in, in, in some people's mind, but for a lot of people of my generation, and we we joke about that, I'm I'm 48. Right. And um, but we joke about that. Uh that but there's some people that the the steroid era. And the cheapening of the experience that people had watching McGuire and Sosa chase, you know, chase Roger Maris and watching, watching Bonds chase Hank Aaron, I think that really, I think that really harmed baseball. And so to, to, it, when you look at the, the face of that, the, that steroid era, I, I think you, you think of Bonds, you think of Clemens, you probably think of Manny Ramirez and A-Rod. I think those McGuire guys. for sure. Hmm? McGuire for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. So you think of those guys, and and I think that that really damaged baseball. And so to then honor those guys and say they're they're Hall of Famers, it's I ha- I don't have a problem with people that disagree with me on this one. This isn't something that I, that that I'm I, I think. But for me, I would I wouldn't put I wouldn't check the box next to, to those guys. And I'm and I mean this this will largely be adjudicated without without my before i ever have a ballot mm-hmm. but for, for me i'm 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 comfortable i would be very comfortable not voting for for those two guys despite the fact and, and i was when i was growing up i was a huge big comments fan growing up Jim, so, jim's angling to say something already no 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 so because i don't i don't disagree with anything matt just said generally i guess the thing that i run into as i've the reality of, hey, you're actually going to have to think about these things at some point and, and potentially vote on them down the road becomes at what point or what is the line, right? Is it a failed, an officially failed test after mm-hmm. it became 
that they were testing and that this was the process? Is it something like the Ortiz thing? Is it that admit it, admitting it, but there's no failed test? I mean, the you know the Lance Armstrong. Uh, I know you were decked all, all out in yellow over over that <laughs> three week period every every year too. Big postal um, The Lance Armstrong guy. thing was was legit by the book cheating, right? Like there's no two ways about it. They people were getting you know suspended and thrown off the the tour and everything at the time for doing what he was just doing better than everyone else. And so I think that's what I struggle with. I mean, if we say that we're not letting in, and correct me if I'm wrong, if we say that like Barry, we're not going to vote for Barry Bonds because of this, like. Sure, you know, or and and looking down the list, even there are players who I know who we haven't kind of like said this is a steroid guy who probably very well may have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. my favorite player growing up was Ken Griffey, and he was became the poster child of not having done stars. Like, I have no idea if he did or didn't, you know, right. like especially like when you know his health was going downhill. Um, so so I guess I I guess the question that I have about trying to mitigate that challenge, Matt, is what's the line? For you. I, I, I'm just curious more than saying like, you know, it's tough because like because there is no clear line because there was no testing for for a long time. And then, so I look at I look at I mean, it's it's come out, you know, it's certainly come out with McGuire. Um, but for me, when you look at bonds, there were so many ties to Balco. There were so many the cream and the clear. All, all of those things, there was enough ties there to think you look at his body's physical changes over that time. There's from um, there's enough things that and it does. It, it's and it's it's maybe it's not fair, but it's it's there becomes a you know, how much smoke do you do you have to see before you assume that there's mm-hmm. this fire in Clemens' case is sort of same deal in terms of his um, in, in terms of, the, of his his body changing his his pitching as 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 late as as he did he i mean he, he looked like a guy that was breaking down and then stopped he the stuff between you know his wife the the the, the I, I forget exactly the substance but that was that was being sent to his his wife and so forth uh, uh, the mitchell report in clemens's case so the, there's the it's it really becomes a try to do the best that you can to, to make that call on it. And I realized that like, that's a big part of the reason that I said, if, if somebody disagrees with me on this, I, you have to sort of apply your own standards and I'm, and I'm not going to judge somebody else's standards on that. But for me, in both of those cases, the, 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 the smoke fire factor certainly comes into play. So you're kind of a, you know it when you see it on this type of thing. I, I was you know, actually avoiding that phrasing, but that's, a, I mean, it is. <laughs> well, I'm fair. not going it's, to. It's a, no, that's fair. It's, 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 a, it's a fair point to make for sure. Mm-hmm. Chris, you're not going to have to make decisions on these two guys because they are off the ballot after this year, which is kind of a blessing for you for going forward into next year. But uh, if you did have a vote, uh, what, were you, what would you be doing? Yeah, I'd vote for both of them. I think you make a good point in that you just can't decide. I mean, there, there's at least – I could look, and there's at least a few guys in recent years that have gone in the Hall of Fame that I would assume would be steroid guys. Um, so there's people that are in the hall of fame that probably have already taken steroids, but you can't just, you know, look at each individual person and say, well, they never got caught. So, you know, uh, but they were probably on steroids. So should I not vote for them? Should I vote for them? Like, it's just, it's too difficult And you know, history, that era, that era was the steroid era. And, you know, when people are going to the hall of fame and they look at hall of famers, they'll recognize it as that, that era. And, you know, there was a lot of people doing it. We have no idea, you know, who was, who wasn't. Um, there's people that are on this ballot right now that 
are getting votes, um, you know, from people that aren't voting for Barry Bonds and voting for, you know, Roger Clemens that I would presume did steroids, you know, yeah. like I just, I just think it's too difficult to play, you know, the sheriff in town and to decide who has taken steroids and not. Um, my, my, um, my thoughts on this have changed. You know, I actually did a, a speech in college, did a speech writing class in college or something like that. And, and I did a speech on, you know, steroid users and how they shouldn't be in the hall of fame. And, you know, that was back in 2006 and, you know, now totally changed my mind on this. Um, also, you know, it's interesting, Matt, that you brought in and say, oh, that's, you know, that spoils that era, um, which I don't disagree with. You could also make the case that that was the most fun era in baseball. You know, would you, you know, that, that, those were fun days. I mean, that was when you were like, you know, watching every day. I mean, McGuire and Sosa going for the, for the home run, um, you know, most home run. I mean, you know, every year I remember back then, I would think about, you know, can Griffey do it this year? Can this guy do it this year? And it was fun, you know, watching it. Now you can look back and say that's that may be spoiled, but that was a fun era. You know, I enjoyed that. That was that was what I grew up in and watching. And and I I probably didn't, you know, I was a kid back then, so I didn't even know what steroids were. But I, I agree likely with you. a likely story is you're hitting four bombs a day in Little League. <laughs> I, I agree with you that I was... hit a home run in the league, so I was not on the roids. That's why you're in the BBWAA. <laughs> I agree with you that it was fun, and I think that the fact that that when you look back at those great memories for for people and you think the what those the things that were special to you at the time feel cheapened now i, I think i think that i think that i think people are less likely to let themselves be to be captured by baseball to be captured by i mean i think a lot of people who all knew exactly how many home runs Roger Maris hit and exactly how many home runs Hank Aaron hit don't know what those records are anymore the the counting number stats in baseball which were largely home run numbers are gone they're they're not there's no if somebody started chasing it now it would not have would not have the uh would not have the same impact at all because because and those were that, that was really a big part of why it was special you you started you you did you, you all right he hit 40 he's got 40 home runs now how many games does he have left how many home runs per game or how many, you know, how many home runs does he need and how many days to, to get it now? And it was, you're absolutely right. I went, I drove to, with, with some friends to Shea stadium to watch Mark, you know, to watch Mark McGuire uh, in that season to, to try to go see him and, and just to see him take batting practice was, was, was special at that okay. point. And, I, and it's not the same for me looking back. So what year was that? Is it 98? Okay, so I was 14. I'm not excusing myself, but I had really no idea that they could have been on steroids. I probably didn't even know what steroids were at that point. I had never heard that word. Mm -hmm. um, why was, why were baseball, you know, like, so do you think that baseball writers at that time were totally, you know, had no idea? And now those same people, I mean, are not voting for these guys that they let off on the hook, off, off the hook for so many years? I mean, I don't know. But I think I would have been pretty suspicious if I saw a guy, you know, go from this size to this size and hitting, you know, 70 bombs all of a sudden. Um, I don't know. I mean, should, you know, should the writers now decide that after they, you know, turned a turned an eye to it for all those years? I think those guys, especially, I think those guys have become 
the standards of what we look at now when you think of the steroid guys when you look at somebody mcguire's size or you look at somebody the way bond like people hadn't seen it before so it wasn't like you could say all right um you know look at look at bonds he's changed the same way that joe carbono changed during his great hall of you know during his long career um i've just picked a random baseball player who is i have no <laughs> in, indication had any kind of steroids anything but but like there were these the reason why we all recognize these things now is because those are the guys we're comparing them to we're comparing them to, to the way they changed and and um I, I can't speak to the to to baseball writers i can't speak to what you know their those decisions at the time i you know I, I was just out of college at that point and was not covering baseball then either um i i can't speak to what their what their thought process was but i i do think we have a feel for what that what steroid users look like and what that change in a player looks like because we saw it happen with with those guys yeah well, that makes sense too i think you know but it, well, I was just me, gonna say, Matt, you make a good point. Sorry, Kajela, but you, Matt makes I mean, a good uh, point. This is my life, 365 days a year. Go ahead. Matt makes a good point about like how these awards now, or these totals, these home run totals, aren't you know a big thing anymore because you know it's you know I'm just looking at it and I'm like mm-hmm. you know Alex Rodriguez had 696 home runs and you know he passed you know Albert Pujols or w- Willie Mays and Ken Griffey Jr. and it's like you know. I don't even know that. Whereas back in the 90, uh, in 1998, you did know all those numbers. So, yeah. I always found it weird that he retired four short of 700. I know he was forced out by the Yankees, but, you know, someone who likes round numbers, at least, you know, finish that out. Jim, do you want to close this discussion with anything? Uh, well, I think uh, both sides were pretty well covered on that. But what I'm really hoping for is for Chris Smith to now launch into that speech he had to give in college about this topic. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be up. That'll be part two of this of this uh, Hall of Fame roundtable. So I think you know, obviously, going to the point of where do you draw that line? Like, obviously, people do it differently for Bonds and Clemens, who are at you know seventy seven point three right now for Bonds, seventy six two for Clemens, compared to a guy like you know A Rod forty one three or Manny thirty eight four, Sosa twenty five, despite you know ridiculous numbers. Um, so it is it is difficult i think where people draw that line a lot of people is if you fail the test or if you've you know really just you know thumbed your nose at the whole concept of testing or if you're you know uh convicted almost or uh admitted then you know you're not getting the vote but if there's you know just the smoke then then you might be so it's uh it's something that everybody has to do uh four of us won't and chris smith came close but uh he'll, he'll find a way to escape the next one yeah, is I'm not going to escape manny ramirez and alex rodriguez next year i mean you, know, you have to figure it out with them and as you said you know there's there's people that blatantly did it you know right you know they, they those there's guys that failed two tests you know mm-hmm. and so those two guys yeah and so it's like you know what do i decide on them and i guess um i haven't really decided on them yet next year's ballot without those other guys is going to be interesting because really the only one that you can make a case, I think, next year that is, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer is Carlos Beltran, but he's not a surefire Hall of Famer either. So right. it's like, you know, so those guys are probably going to get more votes or more consideration, you know, once some of these other guys are off the ballot too. 
and he'll be an interesting discussion, not just because of his numbers, but also because of, you know, obviously what happened in Houston. Not that we haven't ever covered that scandal on MassLive.com. Uh, next one's interesting, obviously, as these all are, but for different reasons, really. And it is the Kurt Schilling debate. You know, this has been the most fascinating of the early returns from the um, from the tracker, I think, because, you know, in 2021, Kurt Schilling came exceptionally close to getting in. Um, he was, I believe only, um, let's see, he was at 72.4%. So he was, you know, very, very close to, to getting in, um, this year he is, he has dropped. He is at 59.9%. Obviously there was the, um, him asking the BBWA to take him off the ballot saying he didn't want to be voted in by the writers, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think a large faction of the association took that to heart, decided if he doesn't want our votes, then I'm not going to give it to him. If a guy's actively trying uh, to avoid being in the Hall of Fame, then, you know, we're going to you know, accept that, even if the association won't as a whole and the Hall of Fame board of directors won't as a whole. Uh, this is a kind of a two-pronged debate when it comes to him. Obviously, the numbers, uh, some say, are not Hall of Fame worthy anyway. He's on year 10. If the numbers were, you know, surefire, I think maybe 10 years ago, he would have gotten in or, or at some point over the last 10 years. And then there's obviously all the, the character clause stuff with you know, social media posts, you know, politics, everything that comes into that. Uh, I'll start this one with Chris uh, on Kurt Schilling. Which way do you lean? Yeah, I'd say he goes in. Um, but I think it's his own fault that he's not going to go in this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen him trend up every single year. And, you know, he came out last year and he got, what, 71% of the vote. He definitely would have gone in, gotten in this year had he not told people, you know, I want to be off the ballot, don't vote for me. Um, you know, do I agree with his hateful posts? No. Um, should I look into the character clause on that? I tend to think the character clause is only for, you know, actual crimes people commit. Um, you know, I wouldn't vote for Omar Vizquel and, you know, I don't think he's been convicted of that, um, you know, domestic abuse, but after hearing that, reading those stories, that's what I think is the, um, you know, the character clause. Um, I think that Kurt Schilling spreads, you know, a ton of hate on, on online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't even look at that as politics. You know, people argue, well, he's not in there because of politics. It's not politics. That's his it's argument. A bunch of Republicans that don't, that don't post those memes online, you know, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's just, that's just, you don't do it. You shouldn't do it. And so I don't look at it as, uh, and, you know, there's a ton of Republicans that are in the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, the, the Hall of Fame is a conservative sport. I mean, the the um, baseball is a conservative sport. So um, I don't look at it as like, yeah, I can see why people would with the character clause, but, um, you know, he's, 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 he would be getting enough folks, I think, to get in if he didn't just say, you know, if he had just didn't say last year, I don't want to be in, don't get me off the ballot. So, I mean, it's, it's all his fault. He's, he's to blame for this, not, not anyone else, not the writers. I mean, when you look at it, 71% gave it to him last year. He's a, as I've made this case with many people, like, okay, so he's a borderline Hall of Famer as it is, and probably his, his postseason numbers push him over the top. Okay, so he got 71% of the vote last year. How many of that 29% that didn't vote for him vote didn't vote because of the character clause or his politics, as opposed to just didn't vote for him because he's not borderline Hall of Famer? I mean, you probably would say about 5 to 10%. 
So if he was, if he was good enough anyway, he would have gotten in last year. So it's like, you right. know, I, um, you know, I, I just, I, I'd vote for him, but I can, you know, he, he's his own worst enemy. In 19, he had 64.7, 2020, 73.7, 2021. Um, he had 72.4. And like I said, right now he's at 59.9 and it seems like no chance of getting in in his final year. Jim, your thoughts on Schilling? I mean, it's crazy to think about 2004 and, you know, think back to then. And, and then, you know, if I'd known that we'd be here this long after and that he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would have. I would have lost a lot of money on that bet uh, at the time. And I understand the other reasons why uh, he hasn't been voted in. Um, you know, the win totals for starting pitching is going to be a very different, he's kind of in the, in the middle of what the benchmarks were and, and his win loss record, which doesn't really matter, but still sort of does, or at least in the last 10 years did in hall of fame voting. Um, but to me, I mean, that was a hall of fame career and, uh, you know, and the postseason is a big part of that, of course, a, a major part of it. Um, and I think this would be the hardest vote for me if I was voting this year. Um, and my, so my decision, my decision honestly would be that, okay, fine. You don't want us to vote for you. Then I'm, I, I won't vote for you. And, and maybe that's a little bit of a cop out. Cause I actually do think he's a hall of famer, but um, you know, I don't generally believe in, you know, we said like whether this is politics or just like hateful speech on social media. I mean, there are some, uh, just based on the numbers and, and, and anything else we want to think about, there are some huge a-holes in the Hall of Fame, right? Mm-hmm. So like, what does that matter? You know, what, what does that mean? How does that matter for that? But I think I would probably have the cop out of, okay, you don't want us to vote you in, then I'm, I, I'll pass them. Now, my question uh, is why, why were the arbiters of the character clause, you know, like uh, as writers. And that that's just kind of a, you know, question in and of itself. Matt? Uh, well, to, to answer to why are we, uh, I don't know why we're the arbiters of the, uh, of the, the character clause in general, but uh, for Kurt Schilling right now, in this now chapter of his life, there is currency to be had in attacking the media. When you the further right you go, the more you the, the more that attacking that um, you know the, the professional media organizations, uh, um, actual news gathering journalists, there there's there's currency in that. I think for Kurt Schilling, this is an opportunity to to enhance his his MAGA cred, and I think Kurt, and Kurt Schilling has been desperate for attention so much of his life. You look at his, you look at his, his, his career. How much he's, he's lobby, and 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 in in some cases he did really good things with that attention. Some of some of the, he did a lot of charity work. He did he did a lot of things, um, you know, in, in terms of raising awareness for for diseases and so forth. But to look at Kurt Schilling over the course of his career and act like that he got a a, a bad, you know, that he got a bum steer from the media, it's not accurate. If you look at the the coverage that he got while he was a player, Kurt Schilling was was deified. His teammates disliked him more than the media did. The media treated Kurt Schilling pretty right. well, but you know, uh, both nationally. Well, he was he was a good quote. Uh, yeah, everybody market, who's covered him in the markets that, that that he was in. Sure, he he uh, he was. You know, he, I, I think the, the the line was always that uh, the line was. Every f- for every five days, one of them he was a horse, and the other four he was a horse's ass. That mm-hmm. was the that was always the the sort of the the line on on, on Schilling. Um, 
but the media always treated him like, like he was he was a go-to guy. And the fact that 71% of the media last year had is that number right? You gave the number before. It's 71, right? 72 4. 72-4. Voted from last year. And for him to attack the media as if they're all out to 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 get him, he was for a guy with borderline numbers, he was close. He was really close. And I think some of those media people were voting for him that that weren't that were on the fence, chose to vote for him in, in an attempt to be fair, to to put their own to put their own negative biases toward him toward him aside. I would have voted for Schilling up until last year. I think he was an outstanding postseason pitcher. I think he, he was a guy that was – your whole staff got better when he was on it. Both – you listen to guys talk about him as a leader, as a pitcher, in, in the way he, he approached things. Um, the innings that he was willing to eat, I remember him in, in, in um, after 2004 for the Red Sox. He was a guy that went to the, the bullpen when they needed him to. Um, you know, he, he pitched – I think he pitched at times when he wasn't 100. percent I, I do Definitely. think he. I think he was. A, I think he was a. I think I can think of one obvious example on that one. Yeah, um, even beyond, but even beyond that, like, um, but I, I, I really think that that um, that he has put himself in this in this situation, and I think some of the some of the really uh, some of the really awful things that he's posted have come from an attempt for him to make sure that people are still talking about him. And so um, I'm, I'm really curious to see what the committees do with him down the road, because he was, he was not a, a terribly, there were guys that like him, but there were certainly plenty of, of, of his teammates that rolled, rolled their eyes at him on, on, on a regular basis. So I'm probably might've would have landed with Jim this time around that if he's saying no, that there, that, uh, that, that was a hall of fame speech. I didn't want to hear. Um, and and so I, I probably would have been a no this year, but a year ago, I, I, a year ago, I would have checked. I would have I would have checked that box, feeling reluctant about it because I was worried about what. And I actually thought a year ago, I, I wrote this in my prediction column. I thought that he would have he would have d- done a uh, speech and, and been about baseball. But um, watching that thing, watching the way he reacted last year and, and chose an opportunity. To rip the you know the rip the media as as one monolith when seventy two percent of the people were voting for him I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's absurd and I don't feel bad for him at all. Does anybody think he he actually wants to get in right now? We'll open I don't. it up to anybody who wants to answer. You don't think he does now? I I, I think he I think he is I think he gains more. I think if he gets in, he gets forgotten. I think if he if he when he's out. I, I think he he becomes a uh, I think he becomes a cause for for certain people. But a lot of people would have forgotten Tootless Joe Jackson years ago if he wasn't uh, if he wasn't um, this poster child for 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 being mistreated. And I I think Schilling is, is similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'll be he'll revel in the victimhood and and take that to the bank and and continue to do what he's been doing. Yeah, no, that makes sense definitely. So you know we don't I don't want to hold you guys forever. Um, or have this go on way too long. Um, you know, I think we've covered the main guys that are really the interesting debates. If you look at the rest of the ballot, um, you know, kind of open it up by just kind of naming some names and um, seeing if any of you have a particular stance on any of these guys. And I think 
uh, Ortiz Bunch, Clemens Schilling we've done. We don't really need to talk much about A-Rod Manny, so, so we've kind of had that discussion. Even a little bit of, of Vizcal who's only trending at 11%, so not even really worth talking about there. But, um, you know, Scott Rowland at 69.2% in the tracker, Todd Helton at 56.4% in the tracker, Andrew Jones 48.8%, Billy Wagner 47.7%, uh, Gary Sheffield, 45.9. Uh, Jeff Kent, 30.8. All those guys would seem to at some point, you know, uh, for most of them have a chance, especially, you know, Roland, Helton, Jones, those types of guys. Or any of any of you have anyone on that list that you really want to make a case for? I mean, well, I, think I, Roland's a Hall of, I think Roland's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm surprised that he's as low right now as, as he is. Um, you know, I mean, his, his, his war is certainly at that level. I think, I think he's probably hurt by, you know, I don't know. In this group, I, I, I don't watch a lot of National League Baseball in my day-to-day, so I guess maybe it doesn't immediately come to mind all the time. But uh, the one I'm really interested in and who I keep kind of taking another look at is Andrew Jones. You know, um, he was is he the best defensive center fielder of all time in his prime. You know, I mean, certainly can make that argument. And then mm-hmm. he hit 434 home runs. And, you know, uh, his, you know his, his prime war is outstanding, and he has a 62-7, you know, according to – I'm looking at the baseball reference numbers, but um, you know, I, I think that's a, a fascinating one because I would say when five years ago, when he was like came up on the ballot, I probably would have been like, Oh, he, he was like a really good player who got hurt too early and, and probably not a hall of fame career. But then you actually look at it and yeah, maybe he actually is actually like a hall of famer. And, and I think he would be on my list now. Right. I don't think people realize that he played, you know, 17 seasons. Yeah. I feel like if Ozzie Smith's a hall of famer and again, I'm not, you know, I, if, if you're taking if you're taking defense seriously, and I, and I am somebody that takes that takes defense seriously, I, I think uh, I think that, that he, he certainly uh, I think I think he belongs there. He had uh, no his his batting average is low for 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 a Hall of Famer as much as you know his batting average is fading, but I, I do think defensively put the home runs with the defense and and he he was a big part of why those Braves teams were were so good for 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 so long and 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 it's not just, he's not the best defensive first baseman or the best defensive, even, you know, left fielder of all time. That that's a position where your prime guys are, are playing. And he was the best of the, you know, the best outfielders in the game. And some of the guys that, that he was in there matched up against were, were terrific. Uh, I'm going to give a really stupid comment here. And I think that his reputation is hurt by being the other Jones on those Atlanta teams. Seriously, I think people think of him as just like, oh, that's, I mean, it's just like a case of bad luck. Is that super dumb or somewhat dumb? That's yeah, kind of dumb, but uh, right. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, Chipper was a lot better player, though, too, right? right. I mean, that's why you forget you kind of lose touch of the greatness on Andrew a little bit. Yeah. I actually think it was that he got big and, and, and very mediocre and played a while that way. So, like, it's not like it was like a year or two. Yeah. And it's like Evan Smith on the Arizona Cardinals, right? It's it's that there were several years of him being a subpar player who just never recovered from that injury, and I think that took over too much of our memory of him, you know. And you don't you didn't, you didn't me, love I, his his 2010 with the White Sox? I I don't even remember that. So. Yeah, <laughs> I remember with the Yankees at the end, but I'm looking now: Dodgers, Rangers, White Sox, and the Yankees at the end. Matt, where are you on? And Chris too. Where are you on Billy Wagner? I mean, yes. I, I yeah, think I think yes too. But go on. I think next. ten years from now, it, he'll he would be a no doubter. But this is the we're in that transition period between uh, as far as our 
opinions on on relievers. I think I think he's a no doubter ten years from now. His his numbers in terms of batting average against and strikeouts per 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 nine and and really and and if you watched him in those times, he was outstanding. Um, I, I, I always struggle with the idea that the guy threw you know he pitched nine hundred innings right and like Andy Pettit pitched thirty three hundred innings. You know it's like three and a half times more and it's just like. That who is, who is better at their job, though? I mean, I don't know. That's a good question. But um, I will say that uh, <laughs> Andy Pettit's OPS Plus is much better than Billy Wagner. So we have to take that into consideration, too. Um, but I agree. I think that it. I, I, I'm more okay with the specialty, quote-unquote, specialization players getting in now that we're not losing our minds about DHs. You know, because that was a point where – I felt like those things were pretty comparable. And I think assuming that we're going to see Ortiz get in here uh, either this year or next year, I, I think you make an easier argument that elite closers are at that level too, you know, outside of like Rivera was like shoe in and there were a few others, but I don't know, like Wagner to me, it, it's, it's fascinating when you just look at again, like how many, how many innings a guy pitches compared to, you know, these horses that, you know, pitch the same number of seasons. At, at the time, I think most hitters would rather have seen, Trevor Hoffman coming into a game than they would Billy Wagner when at, at their respective peaks. Well, I wouldn't have voted for Trevor Hoffman. So that's because you guys are just homers from Billy Wagner's uh, looks at it. 13 and two thirds <laughs> innings with the Red Sox in 2009. Exactly. This is a homer. Yeah, I mean, when you going back on two people, you asked us like, you know, are there anybody? And so um, Jim makes a good point about Scott Rowland. I was looking up some stuff on Scott Rowland just now before we got on this call and um he has a 70 war or whatever. And that, and the average war of a, of a third baseman in the hall of fame is 68. So I don't know why he's pulling so low. Um, I think he started at like 10%, didn't he? Yeah. It's like, why, why, why? <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, you look at him, he's one of the best defensive third baseman, you know, of it. He's one of the best defensive third baseman of his era. You could call him one of the best defensive third baseman ever. And so, you know, you look, and the, the you know he accumulated a lot of war through defense too you know and and I mean you know so I I think he's a Hall of Famer um, and then another guy that's interesting in the case is Todd Helton where you know this guy hit 345 at Coors Field and you know his his um, OPS I think was like a hundred points better at Coors Field than it was you know on the road. He had an average, but I mean, when you look at it too, though, he was a pretty good, he was a really good player on the road as well. I mean, he had an 855 OPS on the road. Um, so can we, can we hold that against him? I think that's the thing that's being held against uh, Helton because I mean, you look at his numbers and they're just off the charts. Good. You get a look at the character clause and hold him to it for never signing anywhere else. <laughs> I think that's the key there. But back to Roland, just just uh, looking at it, 10.2% in 2018, up to 17.2. And then the dramatic jumps the last two years, 35.3 in 2020 and, and, and 2021, uh, 52.9. So, um, you know, it seems like, you know, and right now, as I said, uh, he's, he's much closer even. So um, uh, Those a good things sign always for make him. me laugh, Chris. I'm going to cut you off. Those things always make me laugh, Chris, because – he didn't do anything in the last couple of years, right? right. Like he went from one tenth to. No, he, had a, he had a really good 2019 yeah. season. <laughs> right. That's crazy. <laughs> I think um, uh, that is actually interesting that you bring that up, Jim. And I think it might have to do too with uh, there's, you know, 
there obviously are people that are voting for him now that didn't vote for him last year, but um, there's also people, new people to the ballot this year. Obviously, I'll be new next year. And I think that with him, he's a very, you know, you look at the analytics and the analy- analytics makes his case a lot more than just looking, you know, at Scott Rowland as the player. And so um, I think that the more that we see, I, I, what year is he again, Cotillo, on the ballot? This is fifth. Rolling. I think the more that like people, yeah, younger writers, and I'm not saying older writers don't do the analytics. We're going stuff. back to this. What's that? Going back to this again. I think there's a lot of younger people that are really into it that are going to join the ballot, and, and I'm not really into it either. You know, I know it. You're not really young either. So what's that? <laughs> You're not no, really young either. That's just true. Me. That's true. And so there are people that are a lot younger than me. And are really into that stuff that um, you know they that will make his case better. The seventy warns certain things like that. And those are guys that you're going to have to consider. Wagner next year will be in his eighth year. This is his seventh. Obviously, that's how that works. Helton yeah, will be in his fifth. What was that? I'm going to go for Wagner next year. Um, Helton will be in his fifth. Jones and Rowan each in their sixth. And obviously, the ballot will open up with you know Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling falling off. And uh, Sammy Sosa also falling off, and then uh, David Ortiz potentially getting in, which we're going to find out about on Tuesday. So that's uh, Jim Pignatello, Matt Votor, and Chris Smith. I'm Chris Cotillo. That's a uh, not too short, but I think very interesting Hall of Fame debate. Uh, like I said, don't put us in the tracker quite yet, but a year from now, Chris Smith, it's your time to shine. <laughs>